This is an ABC podcast. I kind of came to realise that my hair is one of those avenues of expression and I have the freedom to express myself through my hair, through my body. It's one of those things that belongs to me that I have control of and can do with as I please. I became so precious of my hair. So I remember the night before the game, we went down to Lifeguard Oval to have like a captain's run. And I didn't want anyone to like tackle me or like rough me up too hard because I didn't want them to mess up my hair. So one thing that is common right across is the respect that we have on our head because we don't have the role that anyone can just come and tap your hair or pull your hair. It's sort of like a degrading way when someone pulls or touches your head. It's sort of like you are invading your space. I wanted to create a safe space where my clients could come in and, and not feel as though they were being experimented on. I wanted my clients to come in and feel at home and feel that they could trust those who were touching their hair with, with care and with respect. Our hair can say a lot about us as women, can't it? Whether you wear it long or short, natural or permed, in braids, dreads, weaves or however, what you decorate your crown with is a true identifier. Unfortunately, our Pacific air textures haven't always been celebrated and we've had to put up with lots of messaging that our natural air is not attractive, that our only option is to tame it with chemicals to fit Western standards of beauty. I'm here to tell you, sisters, these standards are damaging and downright untrue. I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about decolonizing our hair. How do you feel when you look at your hair in the mirror? In almost all societies, hair plays a significant role in our lives. It's linked to our self-esteem and it can convey powerful messages about our lifestyle and our beliefs. Here in the Pacific, our heads are sacred, a part of our body that we must treat with respect. But often, a visit to a hairdresser, which is meant to be an exciting and pampering experience, can leave us traumatized. And with badly damaged hair on top of that, the hair industry is still largely designed to cater for Western hair and not our curls, coils and kinks. But something exciting is happening. We are reclaiming our natural hair and celebrating the variety of styles available to our distinctive hair textures. Hallelujah, sisters. One of these many women challenging the westernized stereotype of beauty is Dr. Tarisi Sorovi Vunandilo, a Fijian academic who wears her Buininga with pride. I used to have like really short hair when I was a little girl. I used to have like, like no hair at all. Like it's all like close to being bald. And uh, my dad used to cut our hair at home all the time. So it's always neat and clean with no hair growing. But as I became a young girl, maybe by the age of 12, my mom started cutting my hair like this. And she used to say to me, a Fijian girl will be so beautiful if they have the winninga or the ulubakabiti. I never took it, you know, really seriously. You know, when you were young, you, mm. know, you just hear say it and then you move on. But as I grow much older into my late teens, into my early 20s, 
it became a topic of conversation because Hilda, I realized that as I was growing older, there was not very many of us in Fiji that has the hair like this. So no wonder the definition of beauty has changed because there's not many people that look like me that look like this. It would be someone much, much older, the same age as my mom, and very few of the same girls that look like me of the same age as well. That's a very good point you made there. Within the Pacific, women have uh, so many hair varieties from PNG to Tonga. What are some cultural practices relating to hair that connects us in the region? You know, when it comes to us in Fiji, uh, we anything that goes above your neck is ulu. So the head and how you put things on your head is, is more, you know, referred to as the, the ulu, or hair is nrau ni ulu, the leaf of your head. And so for me as a language teacher, I get to appreciate the beauty of our language across the region, the way we define our hair, the way we refer to our head, and there's a lot of respect mm. that comes to anything from your neck up. That is something that I see that is common right through the Pacific. We kind of hold our head with high regard. You know, we give our attention to it. You know, what you put on your hair, whether it's a traditional dye or how you want to have your hair cut, how you want to decorate it. Because in the field of anthropology, in Tonga, in Samoa, in Fiji, uh, we have what we call the tekitek. The tekitek is when you put flour on your hair. Beautiful. So us in Fiji, you know, we put the flower on the left ear or sometimes we put on the right, depending on where you come from in the region. They have different meanings. One thing that connects us all is the symbolism behind how we treat our head. So one thing that is common right across is the respect that we have on our head because we don't have the the rule that anyone can just come and tap your hair or pull your hair. It's sort of like a degrading way. Mm. And that is something I see across the Pacific that is something that unites us all, that we look at our head as a very sacred part of us. Therefore, the attention that we also give to our hair, as far as it comes to dyeing or combing or cutting or decorating, is also held in high regard as well. That's very important. Well said. And um, what impact did colonization and maybe missionaries have, if any, on women's hair and perceptions of beauty in the Pacific? I remember with pre-colonial days, there were rituals that were associated with hair. Some rituals are still in existence today. For example, in some cultures in uh, groups in Fiji, I think in Tonga as well, is when someone dies, they don't cut their hair for maybe a hundred nights. And then after the hundred nights, then they come together as a family and then they cut the hair and they have a celebration. So it's interesting that some of those rituals kind of made its way to today. But there are other rituals that have stopped by the missionaries. Some of it is to do with maybe cleanliness is what they're trying to bring in, how they want us to look after our hair, the combing of our hair and how we look is also part of what they brought in. Is there a shift in perceptions of beauty and how is that playing out? I can physically see shift going on. Even now, if I say through social media, I'm beginning to see some pages 
of young girls celebrating their hair. There's a page just called a Fijian Winninga. So Winninga is a Fijian word for the hair that I have now. That's so, lovely. Yeah. And then young girls who look like me with the hair like this, they post up their photos. And, uh, and I see these young girls celebrating it. And it's so beautiful. I'm also beginning to see uh, young girls in the UK, in, in you know, overseas outside of Fiji, some young girls in New Zealand embracing their Fijian look. That's Dr. Charisi Sorovi Wunindilo. And isn't it wonderful that Fijian girls are embracing the traditional Buininga and the Ulu Vakaviti? You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia. Learn to love it. Some days are harder than others, but it's also your superpower, like having the hair that we have. This is Sarah Naikama. You might know her from the rugby or you might have seen her on TV where she's an ABC TV host. Sarah described her hair as strong Fijian hair. And she's experimented with quite a few styles for both on the rugby field and in front of the camera. She embraces her hair, but it wasn't always the case. It's definitely been a journey. And I think particularly as I was growing up as a teenager, I really struggled with it just because it was so hard to maintain it. Like it takes a lot of time to like wash and brush and, you know, for just small things to go out, to be what I thought back then was presentable, took a lot of effort. You know, from a very young age, I started um, chemically straightening my hair just to help with like the frizz and just day to day, like to be able to just get up and go without having to worry too much about it. But as a result of chemically straightening my hair for years, I also really damaged my hair. And so it would start to break in weird places. And then I probably got to about 20 and I thought, I want to like dye my hair because about like having a balayage hair color kind of thing was like in at the time. Hilda, I did that to my hair and I absolutely broke, broke my hair. <laughs> and it was like so isolating, like looking at myself in the mirror. Like if my hair didn't look nice, I didn't feel great about myself. Now that I'm older and I know how to do my hair or definitely have a stylist who I can rely on to, to help me with my hair, makes me feel a lot more confident than I was compared to when I was growing up. It's definitely been a journey and there are some days that I just like, I'm so frustrated with like its inability to just cope with what I wanted to do. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, um, I'm like, it, it's, it's a blessing to have this hair because it's also a reflection of my roots and my heritage and the land that I come from. So when I look at it that way, I'm like, don't hate on your hair, love your hair. Awesome. That's wonderfully said. And you've got two very different public jobs. First as an athlete slash rugby player and second as a radio TV presenter. How do you wear your hair in these two roles? When I'm training, like my hair is always in a bun. Um, and then because it's a contact sport, like after the first or second tackle, my hair's just like sticking out all over the show. Like I look a little <laughs> Like real sisters know, like that's that's a thing, right? Like yes. as soon as you you just like ruffles your hair. So like I can start training with my hair tied back, and then by the end of it, honestly, I just look like I've been electrocuted. But whatever, that's hair. And then when I'm on TV, I have a hairstylist. I've known her since I was about 19 years old, and now I'm a 26 year old woman. And she's an Aboriginal girl, and she's so beautiful, and she's so familiar with hair textures like mine. 
She is the person that I take with me to all of my TV gigs. She is a non-negotiable. Like if anyone says, oh, can you do this for me? I'm like, well, I'm bringing Sophie with me because she can help me style my hair in a way that I feel like I want to be in front of a camera. Wow, that's Um, awesome. Yeah, so for me, Sophie is a huge part of my hair journey because like she, like one, she's a professional hairdresser and I've definitely had some really triggering experiences of being turned away from hairdressers because they're like, oh, we weren't trying to do your hair or your hair's too hard or we don't know how to do your hair. So like those experiences like were really humiliating And I think often hairdressers don't understand the impact of their words when they say that to another woman who just wants to, wants to feel beautiful. Like the girls that are currently sitting in their chairs, you know, (laughs) I Um, totally get you. Yes. And how much have you experimented with different hairstyles in your life? Oh, I've definitely experimented with my hair. I've done braids. I've done cornrows. I've done extensions. I've definitely tried my hand at a few things, but I also think that's the superpower of having hair like mine. Um, and that's something that makes me feel a lot of pride is that my hair can be molded to do anything that I want it to do. So it's pretty funny because when I think about my hair and the different things I've done with it, it's definitely like been an extension or an expression, I should say, of where I was at my life at that time. What's the craziest thing you've done with your hair? One of the craziest things is for one of um, my rugby finals, it was the 2019 Waratahs Grand Final. I went to a store to get extensions but I could have some like cornrow braids and while in principle I thought like this is the most sensible thing to do because I'll play but at least my hair won't come out or or stay intact I became so precious of my hair so I remember the night before the game we went down to Leichhardt Oval to have like a captain's run and I didn't want anyone to like tackle me or like rough me up too hard because I didn't want them to mess up my hair (laughs) Um, and then you know that night I was having like these thoughts how about if I go on the field tomorrow, somebody tackles me and then like, I don't know, the extension just falls out or something like that. Like I wanted to really, really worry about it. Thankfully I can confirm my, my extensions didn't fall out, but playing um, a grand final with, with a lot of hair that wasn't mine in braids was probably a big risk and something I know I will not do again. I love these horror stories. I can just imagine going into a major rugby game and worrying about my extensions. But even though that's a good love, what is wonderful to know is that Sarah Naikama has found a way to express herself through her hair. Ella Rowe has always attracted attention in Australia with her Melanesian hair. Some of it has been positive. But what has consistently been negative is her experience in hair salons. Her hair has not been well understood or even respected. So Ella did something about it. She now runs her own salon in Melbourne and her goal is to decolonize the hair dressing industry. I often felt like people were wanting to experiment with my hair. So when I when I talk about decolonizing the hairdressing industry and when I talk about Elvis being a space that is a natural hair movement and aiming to do that, it means that I want to centre BIPOC people, you know, black and brown and Indigenous people. I want our stories, our hair, our culture, our identity to be at the root of our practice. And that's not just about hair, but that's about the way that we treat each other as well. And I guess I was also 
in a lot of hair salons where it felt superficial and I felt the values were not in line necessarily with mine. And I wanted to create a safe space where my clients could come in and not feel as though they were being experimented on. I wanted I wanted my clients to come in and feel at home and feel that they could trust those who were touching their hair with, with care and with respect. When you were learning to become a hairdresser, how was kinky or coily or curly hair treated? So when I was learning hairdressing, we only really were taught maybe two techniques that were only dealing with wavy to curly textures. So when you're talking in terms of Afro, coily and kinky hair types, we didn't get to be exposed to that. Um, not not in a TAFE environment, not in the hairdressing certificate or not within the salons even that I worked in. They were very few and far between. And I think that's another reason why there is such a huge gap in the hairdressing industry currently because, again, European standards of beauty were the focus and in some ways are still very much the focus. And I, and I, I am noticing a change and a shift Ella, what's the most common request you get from your Pacific Island clients? <laughs> um, I think for me, a lot of our clients come in feeling very anxious and sometimes ashamed of their hair quality, like the condition of their hair. So it's often about hair care. So how do I care for my hair? How can I hydrate and moisturize my hair? What products can I use to really embrace my natural hair texture? Because I think for a lot of them, They've been encouraged over the course of their lives to straighten their hair or to do protective styling and to really just remove or eradicate what is naturally them. The main request is, you know, how do I wear my hair texture well? Can you please give me a hairstyle and show me how to care for my hair and style my hair so that I can be proud of it and mm. I, I can wear my style confidently? Wow, that's amazing. And what changes have you seen with hairstyles or hair acceptance in your time in the industry? I think that we are the change. Maybe that's naive in saying that. Maybe I am unaware of what's going on out there, but I think that we are the change. And I think that the changes that I'm seeing in terms of BIPOC hair, so black and brown hair and, and Indigenous hair and people of colour, is that we are embracing grassroots artists, creatives, and individuals who have been self-taught. You're seeing these incredible, very talented braiders and hairstylists coming through who have spent years just honing in on their own skills and teaching themselves at home and learning off, off YouTube and, you know, technology and, and, and music and all of those sort of popular cultures have really inspired a lot of our, our now current change makers in the, in the scene. So that's sort of what I'm seeing now more than I saw before. What's the best tip you can give on caring for textured hair? So I think it's just about maintaining the moisture in our hair because our hair, the porosity means that it often dries out very quickly. And depending on um, the weather and the conditions in which we're working, and also if we're not wearing our hair in protective styles, if we, we are wearing it out and curly, it's very exposed to damage. It's fragile hair. So I would say moisture, daily routines of sort of spraying some moisture in your hair, some, some water with some oils in it, as well as giving it a good steam treatment with oil, maybe once a month. 
Some top hair care advice from Ella Rowe. Decolonizing hair in Melbourne. A salon sounds like a space where you can really let your hair down. <laughs> I've definitely got a hair of steel wool grass. <laughs> steel wool grass. What a description. Dodi Doyua has won some bold stars in her time, but growing up in Papua New Guinea, she really struggled with the texture of her hair. I didn't like my hair a lot as I was growing up. I think I always compared it to what I thought was pretty, but also easier to look after. So my dad had soft curls and so did his sisters and my sister as well. And it seemed easier to um, take care of and looked prettier. And you didn't break combs when they combed their hair. Whereas when I combed my hair, if we had the say the wooden combs, they broke. So I didn't really enjoy my hair. And then for my mom to manage my type of hair during school, especially, it was easier to keep it really short. So I had really short hair, like two inch cuts through most of primary school. And then later, as I got older, she started relaxing it because that was easier to manage. So I didn't like it too much when I was a child. It seemed more of a burden and not so pretty. I get what you are saying. Uh, breaking combs growing up with uh, <laughs> short hair like that. Wow. <laughs> so... What were your perceptions uh, of a beautiful hair? I still think my mom was one of the most beautiful women around, except for her hair, when it was in its natural state. She permed it a lot to manage it. She permed it and kept it cut. So she always looked quite stylish. But even then, like she had to texturize or perm her hair to keep it manageable. So I think I grew up with the perception of softer curls being not ideal, but being what was pretty or my perception of what was pretty hair. Hmm, interesting. As opposed to my own. Yeah. And um, what did you do with your own hair when you first started experimenting with different styles? When I was in uni, I wanted to try dreadlocks. So I think I saw my aunt, uh, my mom's bigger sister. It was interesting because I think somebody close to us passed away and she straight through morning, she didn't wash her hair and then she let it go to dreadlocks. But she had really nice tight curls, like really tight, like even tighter than mine. So the dreadlocks that naturally came were nice, small dreadlocks, really neat. And I just wanted to try that. So I tried that and then decided to start coloring. I'd streak it. And then I felt like one time just having half and half. I have this thing where I don't like things perfectly symmetrical. I like things a little bit uneven or odd. I bleached half my head or dreadlocks blonde and then dyed it orange. And then I kept the other half black. And then I shaved it when I had enough of the dreadlocks. I had a bald head for a while. So I just felt really free to experiment. And I felt, I just felt like it. So most of my choices have been like that very sort of, I see something that I like and then I try it, but I put a spin on it that I want to. Interesting. And the coloring of the dreadlocks, what sort of reactions did you get from the public? I'm not a very extroverted person or very loud person. So I often would wear my Highlands caps, the Bilum caps, regardless of what my hair state was. I'd often enjoy wearing this uh, possibly around campus and around town. But if I was going, say, on the bus, and through the various stops, I'd make sure I had my hat on because it tended to catch a lot of attention. And I think um, 
there was one particularly negative one when I was connecting through Gordon's Market. And I'd forgotten to wear my cap. And so my hair was in the open, half orange, half black, dreadlocks. And I wear glasses and they're transition glasses. So they look like spectacles in the sunlight. So I don't know. I think I gave, I don't know what impression I gave to people. And they reacted quite negatively. And I don't know. It was almost like a little bit of a mob effect. People started making comments, shouting and throwing stuff. Somebody hit me with a cow cow. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that uh, reminded me to make sure I have my hat handy when I'm, you know, commuting. Wow. Dori, how do you feel about your hair now? Now I, I like my hair. I enjoy what I can do with it. I enjoy the different styles I can do, but I enjoy just the Afro. I kind of came to realize that my hair is one of those avenues of expression. And I have the freedom to express myself through my hair, through my body. It's one of those things that belongs to me that I have control of and can do with as I please. So I, I have a good relationship with my hair now. That's so nice to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you think was your best and worst hairstyles? Probably one of my best hairstyles, which I thought was quite funky and came about by accident, was I got these blonde Senegalese hair extensions and I had bought them when I was bleaching my hair blonde. So I wanted to do blonde extensions on blonde hair, but I hadn't been able to for some reason. It was actually just earlier on this year, I was growing my hair out, uh, my natural hair. And then I decided I should just make use of the Senegalese hair extensions. They were twists, which is quite funky. So it was like the cornrow up the sides and then I had the braids in an almost Mohawk style falling back. It was quite funky. My worst hairstyle actually came through a bit of a disaster. So I went through a blonde period, but I overbleached and my hair started breaking. Whoa. And then at the same time, I colored it blue and then my hair was falling out. So I ended up shaving the sides of my head, doing these little lines on the side and leaving the top bit there. And I thought it was quite funky, but my passport expired and I had to take a passport photo and I look terrible. <laughs> and my passport photo now for five years is with that ridiculous haircut. So oh that's probably God. my worst haircut that I can't forget until I renew my passport. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. And what tips do you have for women who are not loving their hair so much these days? One of the things I realized for Melanesian women or Black women who have sort of the stronger ranges of steel wool grass, I think we have an interesting history with our hair and often have a lot of perceptions and influences in terms of what we think is pretty or beautiful that we've been exposed to. And I think there's more appreciation of our natural hair we all have hair that we can love. I think you just have to get to know it and get to know what works for you. I'm relieved to hear that Dodi Doiwa is able to appreciate her hair after experimenting with lots of different styles, even after drawing some extreme reactions in Papua New Guinea. Good for her. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. When I was growing up, I wished I could wear my hair longer. But now I just own it. Knowing my Melanesian Afro is beautiful, just as it is. 
It represents freedom and confidence. And my sisters from Fiji, Solomon Islands, or Vanuatu can easily identify me wherever I am in the world. But I'll also admit maintaining my fro is a full-time grooming job. So once in a while, I'll get a braid to save on time. Hearing from Ella, Sarah, Teresi, and Dodi today, it is wonderful that positive change is happening. Young women are really embracing who they are, the way they look, and wearing their hair proudly. Thank you so much for joining me, Hilda Wayne, for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia, our weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of the show, we're also a podcast in the Pacific Just search for Sisters Let's Talk wherever you get your podcasts. If you're in Australia, you can listen to Sisters Let's Talk on the ABC Listen app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, polygamy. Is it time for this cultural practice to stop? Girls between 15 to 19 years old, they are more preferred over, you know, older and middle-aged women. And so mostly men lure these women into becoming their third or fourth, even fifth, sixth, seventh wife. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is presented by me, Hilda Wayne. It's produced by Amanda Doniki. Our supervising producer is Inga Stunzner. Executive producer is Justin Kelly. And our commissioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. And that's all. I'll you next time. Mm-hmm.